Well, grace and peace to you this morning. We're so glad that you're here with us today. Um, I want to welcome you to LaGrange Church of Christ, especially if you're a visitor. We're so glad that, that you're here in our assembly today. Um, a few things before we get to our lesson. If you have a Bible, you can be uh, turning to Exodus chapter 3, and we'll be looking at a passage uh, in, in Exodus this morning. Uh, as Kent's already uh, announced, we'll be going to Schulenburg after services today. If you'd like to do that, just kind of meet in the back. Uh, maybe we can carpool or something like that. But um, it's going to be a great blessing to go down there and encourage uh, Ben and Sandy in, in their time of need. Also remember that later this month, we have a seminar on uh, February 22nd and 23rd. The Bible Jesus used why the Old Testament still matters. And that may seem like an interesting topic to you. It may not. But I guarantee you that you will be blessed by hearing these lessons from uh, Chuck Webster and Christopher Stevens. And would encourage you to uh, plan on being here um, on that day. So we're in this series entitled Living Word, a study of the story of God. Where we're exploring some of the themes that we find in Scripture. And uh, this morning we come to the word holy. This is another interesting word in our study. And again, this is not a word that we commonly use. Like last week, we looked at the, the word covenant. It's a religious word. If it is used outside of religious context, then it's typically used in a derogatory way. He's holier than thou. She's a holy roller. And there's often little or no reverence associated with this word when it's used by the world. But, but holy is a word that's found throughout the Bible. Um, it's a word that we use in church settings. Just a moment ago, we sang holy, holy, holy. Um, and so it's in our songs. But that song is actually taken directly from a passage in Isaiah. And so... We know the word, but I'm not sure that we fully grasp its entire meaning. We probably think that it has you know, something to do with morality, something to do with how we act, and that's part of it, but it's just one part of it. Um, holiness is, is much bigger than simply what we say and do. And although holiness is, or holy is not a part of most people's vocabulary, I do think it's a concept that people understand, even though they might not realize it. And so the, the word holy, you've probably heard before, means to be set apart. But even that literal, you know, definition, that literal translation of the word, it doesn't do it justice. And it's probably easier to reflect on some examples rather than to attempt to define what this word actually means. And so the book of the Bible that has the most to say about holiness is Leviticus. I know that's your favorite book, but um, you know one of the reasons why we probably struggle with holiness is we don't read Leviticus that much. We, we, it's kind of uh, you know the, the, this book that we try to... We either skip over or we try to get through it very quickly. And, and that causes us not to have a full understanding of what holiness is. It's a strange book with strange things in it. And much of the book is about how people were to approach God. You know, Because God is holy, 
Um, we're not allowed to approach him just any way that we like. And this is not as strange as one may think. It's not just some ancient practice from long ago that's outdated and we don't use anymore. We actually do the same thing in modern times. The office of the President of the United States is set apart. It's special. It's a position of honor. And because of this, a person cannot approach the President any way that he likes. There's a certain protocol that you have to follow. The same is true if you go to England and you want an audience before the Queen. There's some interesting rules regarding how you are to act in the presence of the Queen. And in that setting, the, the rules don't seem strange, but outside of that setting, they seem very strange. Another example is the certain moments that we experience in life. We might call them transcendent moments or holy moments, and, and we all have them. In these moments, we're often aware of our insignificance. We are small compared to the rest of the world. In fact, that song that we just sang was from Isaiah chapter 6, and Isaiah is having one of those moments where he's in the presence of God, and he says, holy, 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 you know, I am a man of unclean lips among a people of unclean lips. He, he's overwhelmed with his insignificance, his sinfulness. We're, we might consider that, that we live in a tiny period of a much larger history. Um, we might consider that we're not the center of the universe and that this world does not revolve around us. And so in these moments, we're also aware that there is someone greater than ourselves whom we should feel gratitude towards, whom we should feel reverence towards. And so we're more aware of God in these moments than at other times. These moments sometimes occur when we're maybe at the the beach reflecting on on the vastness of the ocean or or maybe sitting underneath the stars and and staring up at everything that is above us. It's so big, and yet we are so small. You may have experienced one of these moments when you held your your newborn child for the first time, and that is a moment that is indescribable. You anticipate it for months. You get everything in order, and you wait for it to get here, and then you learn that there is nothing that could prepare you for what you experience in that moment, and your life changes forever, and you see the world differently, and there's no going back. These are holy moments. Now, what if in the middle of one of these moments, the person next to you pulls out their phone and says, hey, check out this new game I downloaded. What if they try to show you a video? You know, look look at this video I found on Facebook while you're holding your child or you're looking up at the sky. It would be inappropriate because that's not what you do in a moment like that. Why? Because, well, these, these moments are special. They're, they're set apart from other moments that we experience. They are holy moments. And so even though people may not use the word holy, I think we all have 
some sense of the concept. And, and people understand that there are some things set apart from others and that this may even require a change in protocol or a change in behavior. And we see this in Scripture as well. The second time that holy is ever mentioned in the Bible, it comes in Exodus chapter 3. And so this is that famous scene where Moses encounters a burning bush. And so uh, it's just six verses. We'll go ahead and read it and listen to what happens. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight and why the bush is not burned. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet. For the place on which you're standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. And so Moses has one of these holy moments. He, you know, one day he's just out going about his business. And while he's doing that, he encounters the holy. He at first sees this bush that's burning, but it is not burned up. It's not consumed. And when he sees this, he's intrigued. He goes to take a closer look. He, he wants to lean into this moment. He wants to find out more. And then God speaks to Moses. And Moses becomes afraid. Moses, like Isaiah, begins to realize his place in the world. And so in the middle of all this, God tells Moses, um, take your sandals off because you're standing on holy ground. And, and this is interesting. First of all, why is the ground holy? Well, it's not because it's special. There's nothing particular about, you know, this piece of land. It's only holy because God is present. And so God's presence makes the ground holy. So why does Moses need to take his sandals off? What, what's going on with that? Well, in that book that we don't look at too often, Leviticus, we learn that there are sacred things and there are common things. And they, don't, they shouldn't always intermingle. And so you don't bring what is common into a sacred space. Moses was a shepherd. The first sentence in this passage tells us that, that, that Moses was with his sheep that day. He was on the job. He was tending to his animals. And, and guess what's on the bottom of his sandals? Sheep poop. Okay, And, and you don't bring shoes that are covered in sheep poop into the presence of God. 
That's what that means. That's, that's simply what's going on here. And if you think about it, that's not strange at all because we do the same thing. You don't spend all day working cows and then walk straight into the kitchen without taking your shoes off. And if you do, you're going to be in trouble <laughs> because the kitchen is set apart for preparing food and there are certain things that you don't bring into it. There's a protocol that we all follow and we all understand it. It's the same reason why we don't wear our shoes to bed. We don't want what's on the bottom of our shoes in the place where we sleep at night. We all get that. And so holiness is something that becomes more prevalent as the story of God progresses. It's not something that we find in the story of Abraham and his family. It's mentioned more and more often after Israel, the people of Israel are freed from Egyptian captivity. And so why is this? Why, you know, very early on in Genesis, you know, you really have no mention of holiness, but then you get to Exodus and Leviticus and Deuteronomy and it's showing up all over the place. Well, what changes is that God's presence is now among his people. It's after Israel crosses the Red Sea that they are instructed to build a tabernacle. So this is God's dwelling place and God is dwelling among his people and his presence makes his people holy. And they are invited into a special relationship with God and because God's presence is in the midst of the people, they are told to act accordingly, to act holy. And their, their uh, actions are to reflect that they are a people who belong to God. And so let me just take you through a couple passages. First, uh, Leviticus 11 and verse 45. For I am the Lord who brought you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God, you shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. In fact, this is quoted in that passage that Brian read for us this morning in 1 Peter. So this is not something that goes away. You know, Peter quotes this and tells us that we're to do the same. But what we learn here is that God acts first, that he frees his people from bondage, and then calls them to be holy just as he is holy. And so God's call for us to be holy is a call to be like God. We are to imitate God in what we say and do. And this is not a burden. This is a blessing. Because sin has corrupted us. We are broken. And walking in the ways of God teaches us to live as we should live. And it blesses us in ways that we could never imagine until we actually begin to do it and try it. Okay? Another passage, Deuteronomy 23, 14. Because the Lord your God walks in the midst of your camp to deliver you and to give up your enemies before you, therefore your camp must be holy. And so Israel was to be holy because God was now in their midst. He was present among them. And this meant that there were certain protocols that they had to follow now. And so God did not dwell among Israel because they were holy. He didn't look around and say, okay, this is the most holy people, so I'm going to dwell with them. That's not what happens here. He first dwells among Israel and then calls them to be holy. Holiness was a, was a response to God's presence. And then a lengthier passage, Deuteronomy 7, 6 through 8. For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. 
The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. Why is this? Why did he choose Israel? Well, Moses tells us it was not because you are more in number than any other people. The Lord set his love on you and chose you for you are the fewest of all peoples. But it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. So God invites us into this special relationship where we are transformed and we begin to, to live differently. And there's a, always a temptation to think that this is our own doing that God chose us because we were somehow special or that God chose us because we were better than everyone else or that God chose us because we were right and everyone else is wrong. But none of this is true. And God reminds us of this over and over again. God did not choose Israel because of anything they had done. He chose them because he loved them. And the same is true of us. And so early on in the story of the Bible, we get a good grasp of what holiness is. And, and these books like Exodus, Leviticus, and Deuteronomy, they're a master class on this interesting way of living. And sometimes holiness laws or holiness codes are, are strange but there's always some reason behind the strange behavior. Sometimes we just have to think about it for a little bit. And it may seem strange to outsiders, but for those who are participating in worship, for those who are living the life, it all makes perfect sense. What we learn about holiness early on in the Bible is a, a wonderful foundation, but it's not a complete picture. Under the old law, there were some people that were excluded because of this holiness code that we find in places like Leviticus. It could be that they had a skin disease or some other type of physical ailment. It could be that they had come into contact with a, a dead body. And so sometimes there were very good reasons for quarantining a, a group of people from others but even if there were good reasons, it was still a reminder of the brokenness of this world. We live in a fallen world where death and disease are a reality. And Jesus came to redeem the world. And we see this in his ministry. And so according to the law, coming into contact with people who had skin diseases or coming into contact with a dead body, that would make a person unclean. You know, um, and because of this, they may not be able to go to the temple until they purified themselves. Now, what we see with Jesus is that he begins to reach out to these people. And he touches them. And when Jesus touches them, it does not make him unclean. Instead, it does the opposite. It has the opposite effect when he touches them, it makes them clean. And Jesus heals the sick. And Jesus cures leprosy. And Jesus raises the dead. And he makes people whole again. 
And so we are called to live holy lives because God is holy. And holiness is not something that we do in order to earn God's favor. It is something that we do because God lives in us. The Holy Spirit indwells us, and therefore, we should live differently. Jesus is at work in us to heal us and to make us whole. We are a holy people who belong to God. We are set apart. And and this blessing is because God loved us. He acted uh, before we ever knew that we had a problem. God sent His Son to heal the world, and He did so by dying on a cross. Now it's up to ourselves to, to, to die to ourselves, to pick up our cross, and to follow Jesus. And when we walk in the footsteps of Jesus, we're living holy lives. And so let me encourage you this week to live differently. Live differently not because you think somehow you're going to do you know, so many good deeds that you do just enough to you know, barely get, you know, make it into heaven. No, that's not biblical holiness. Live differently because God is living in you. He's taken up residence inside of you. He has claimed you as His own. And you now belong to God. And you should be holy because God is holy. And He's working within you to transform you into the image of His Son. And when we choose to live holy lives, we're not doing this on our own. God is with us, and He's helping us to live the lives that we are called to live. And so let us go into the world and live in such a way that our holiness doesn't remind people how good we are, but reminds people of how good God is. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you this morning and we acknowledge your holiness. Holy, holy, holy are you, God. You are set apart from everything else. You are beyond us. You are like none other. And we are amazed that you would come and you would live in us. May we always be remindful of this and what it means for us each and every day. That our lives should be different that our actions should be different, that our speech should be different. Not because we're trying to earn your favor, but because you are in us. And we are a reflection of your glory. Father, we're so thankful for your Son who came into this world to, to heal what is broken. And we're so thankful that he's in us doing just that that we all have things within us that need to be healed and need to be mended. And we're so grateful that we are not living life on our own, but that Jesus is in us. And we're especially thankful for that sacrifice, that blood that he shed on the cross, that blood that 
washes away our sins and causes us to be a holy people. Father, we pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.